being here today, and thank you for joining our stressful life session. I think that's something that we can all relate to. Uh, when you came in the door, you should have received a white index card. Do you have a white index card? Can you wave it? Hello, holla, I got my card. Okay, so as you are listening to these lovely ladies talk on a stressful life, there may be some questions that you have. And what we're going to do is we are going to save time at the end for questions. So if you have a question, just write it down. And Kristen is going to come around and grab it. So if you have a question, write it down. You can hold it up, and she will grab it. And I will be going through those questions um, and answering as many as we can at the end. I'm sure there will be a lot of kind of themes that are probably similar. And so um, just write your question when you have it and hold it up, and we'll come get it. So we are going to start speaking to this topic is our worship director, Carissa Carter, and our prayer and care minister, Pastor Chris. And we're going to talk about this topic, and you'll get to hear how um, they've dealt with this issue and um, how it's been different at different parts of their personal and spiritual growth. So we're going to start with our prayer, our worship director, Carissa Carter. short people problems. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're here. Um, this is such a crazy, crazy topic. And if you know anything about me, I, I hate to be vulnerable. I absolutely hate it. Um, probably just from the family upbringing I had. Grew up in the church, PK. Um, my temperament's very outgoing. But to share what I'm doing today is extremely aiding, extremely aiding. Um, it's extremely nauseating for me to do this just because it, it's hitting a subject for me that literally happened, is still happening. And as I share it, um, you'll kind of get to hear my journey with it. So I'm super thankful for the Kleenex. Um, and uh, if we cry, we'll cry together. And you're going to make me feel good about crying because I hate doing it. Um, so anyway, uh, last year when I, I got to speak, um, Matthew 11, I don't know if you were here or not, but I, I showed this really kind of cool picture at the end of my session upstairs, and it was with um, two oxen being yoked. And it was uh, a smaller oxen kind of leaning in on a large oxen. And little did I know that that would be um, my journey for 2017 and like how significant that would be for me personally. Um, just up front, I understand that people handle stress very, very differently. Some of us get super quiet, depressed. Um, if you're like me, especially if you're Hispanic, um, you tend to get more angry. Anyone else like deal with stress more angry and it's, you're more confrontational. You're, you just, you're out with it. Okay. Yeah. So that's me. So for me to experience um, sadness or, or things like that is, is not typically normal, and, and you'll hear why that was such a big impact for me. So starting right out the gate in 2017, it was super, super stressful. Um, I had a, a lot of work conflict that was going on, to be honest, and so much to the point where I wanted to quit my, my job. And I know that that might be a shock because it's like you, you see us on a stage and, and you don't know that we're real and that we experience real things and we sound so spiritual. Um, but I was going through some major stuff, character stuff. God was doing stuff in my life. But 
man, he was allowing all kinds of stuff to come at me in my job. And I was like, I'm done. I, I can't handle this anymore. In addition to that, I was having some uh, health-related stuff. And I had a biopsy done. And this just, like, continued, like, one thing after the other, after the other work biopsy. And I think Jason, whenever he preaches, or if you've heard us, we've, we've always had kind of health issues that we, we've battled as a family or that we've overcome. But this was like another reminder, like, yeah, I healed your daughter, but I'm not going to heal you kind of thing. Those are the things that were going through my head. Um, then came August of uh, last year, and between work, between my health issues, um, we brought my son into Children's Hospital, and he was experiencing, like, a, a lot of, of health difficulties. And I'm just going to read a brief summary of a blog. I'm sure a lot of you um, have read it because you've commented, but I'm just going to give snippets of it to you. August 1st, 2017, back to Children's Hospital we go. After reviewing all the symptoms, I'm sorry, but your son has type 1 diabetes. And literally, for me, it was like the wind was knocked out of my soul, and I, I couldn't breathe. This is the first time, apart from being asthmatic, which I am, that I, I couldn't breathe. I've never had that happen to me. I've never felt like I couldn't get my emotions out, because usually I can respond in anger. Um, but when you are presented with something, as you know, that's totally out of your control, especially as a mom, there's something very different about you receiving a diagnosis versus your kids. And as they begin to, and my husband has a nursing degree, so that was the one diagnosis that we were like, please don't let it be this. Please don't let it be this. Just because you, you understand that it's, it's very high maintenance. It's very complicated. I was having difficulty uh, wrestling with how can I stand on a stage on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and conferences like this and declare God is good and declare that he heals, right, and actually pray for ladies and actually see healing and then go home to my son who is not experiencing healing. They just kind of go on to say, um, and for us, they bombarded us. It was like, for the next eight hours, this is literally, and I'm going to move through this, eight hours, you're going to learn how to manage this disease. And, and those were words that I hated, managing the disease, because um, I wanted it to, to be gone at that point. Um, eight hours, they drew eight vials of blood. They said he would be stuck eight to 12 times a day just to check his sugar. More times if he experiences a low um, insulin doses are at least six or seven times a day. That's more needles. Um, he, you have to check him at 12. You have to check him at 3. You have to check him at 6 a.m. Because type 1 is not like type 2. They're completely two different things. One is managed with medicine and diet, and, and one is not. Um, so they crammed me with all this information. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. Um, this is not, I, I didn't have room in my theology for that. There was no room whatsoever to know that God is still good and he's still kind. And yet you can get a diagnosis like that. And with type one, you don't ever, unless God is a miracle and let's not count that out, but you don't ever grow up or out of that. Um, it's like having an infant and until they're approved for things like a, a little monitor that he, he has inserted in him, until insurance um, approves things like that, you're getting up. 
So you're getting up at 12, you're getting up at 3 a.m., you're getting up at 6 a.m. So it's like having a newborn, but they never grow out of that stage. <laughs> Even last night, I was up treating his low, you know, with him. Um, and he kind of sleeps through them, but, you know, I don't. And I'm at the age in my 40s where if you interrupt my sleep, <laughs> I'm not going back to sleep after that, right? Um, and so we just had this crazy... I. I wish you could have been there with me. Maybe some of you would have been offended. I don't know. I was angry. Um, and the last 30 minutes of that eight-hour ordeal, they go into, oh, by the way, after all this, you're counting carbs. We have to carry books. I mean, you just, you're just learning all this stuff. They're like, here's a glucagon emergency pen. What this pen is is that you administer it to him in the case that he loses consciousness. And I'm like... As if all the others, <laughs> the last 30 minutes, it's like, oh, you know, by the way, and, you know, if your sugar's too low, you can die. I, I mean, there's just all this stuff that, that's coming at you. Um, in addition to that, he was also diagnosed with celiac disease, which um, he has to eat gluten-free. And it's we had to go for all that testing, and they give you all the worst-case scenario, what celiac can turn into, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it was like overnight, my world just shut down. I couldn't, I couldn't handle everything. Um, there was no anger really enough <laughs> to explain what I was feeling. Um, I do want to give you though some really cool practical things that that really close friends of mine did, and just to share some insight as to what they said, maybe what they didn't do. Um, one of my friends is really, really practical. I could text this person, honestly, angry. Um, I could text this person and use certain words that I may not use with you today of just being mad. And that's just being honest. It's, it's called real, okay? Um, and if that's not your struggle, then praise be to God. But when, <laughs> when you suffer with anger, um, sometimes things are said that should not be. But with her, I could do that. She gave me permission to do that. Does that make sense? Like, she was a safe place that she could make me laugh. I could say, I'm not in the mood for scripture today, to be quite honest. And, and I know, right? But she, she let me be me. She let me process that. Um, she, she made me laugh. And that was one of the biggest things that I needed to do at that time. I had another friend who cooked for us. I... I can't even wrap my head around that. She cooked for us the first week of diagnosis, and I'm talking things like steak. You know, like, that's a major, and I'm acts of service, my love language, so that was huge for me. And once again, this friend was like, I'm praying for you, and I knew that when she said that, that was going to happen. It wasn't some, man, I don't know what to say, so I'm going to say I'm praying for you kind of thing, and you know you're not really going to do it. Um, I knew that she was going to pray for me. And the last friend, this is the last one I'm just going to focus on. Um, my other friend actually bought us groceries. And the really cool thing about that is that she gave me like a, a certain amount gift card for gluten-free food, which once again, that's a huge, it's expensive. It, it really is. And when you don't know like what's good and a lot of it's not, you just kind of have to experiment. And so just practical, super practical stuff, not one time. Did they go, just so you know, God's in control. I, I knew that at my core, but time needed to heal 
You know what I mean? Like I needed time to heal. I didn't need to hear, well, just get in the word and let me just lay hands on you. Sometimes we're so quick to do that. And for me, I just needed to hear, man, this is, this is awful. I hate this for you. And that's what real friends, I I think there's a discernment that's used of timing, when to use scriptures, when to lay hands on you and be like, no, we're going to pray this through. There are times and seasons for that. And um, matter of fact, this last friend, um, the one that, that bought me the food, she, <laughs> this is what kind of chokes me up a little bit because this was just really, really, really cool. Um, I'm getting ready in the bathroom one morning and she sends me this song and um, it's by Amanda Cook, okay? And it was, it's a prophetic song and basically what that means, it's like, you're kind of off page in, in a service. You're, you're singing words and lyrics that you know are for people out there, but prophetic is God speaking through that person to you, to the listeners. So it's not like there's, you know, lyrics going on and you sing along. It's like you're standing there and all of a sudden they begin to just go into this spontaneous song. Okay. Anyone know, raise your hands. If you know what I mean, those prophetic songs that are like, they, right at the core of who you are. And you're like, that was for me. If nobody else in here, right? Cause you're the only one ugly crying because God, God is doing something in that moment. And that's what happened to me. Literally I'm on here. Here are the words she sends us. And she's like, I was listening to this today and I felt like this was from the Lord. And he told me this is for you. And she basically, um, starts to sing because I, prior to that, I, um, this is very vulnerable, but I'm going to share this. Um, I was having so much difficulty coping that just with the wisdom and godly counsel, I actually did go on a anti-anxiety meds for a season to like help me because I could not breathe. When I tell you I could not, I was up all night. I couldn't breathe. Um, I would lead worship on Sunday mornings and just, and I would be so like, just kind of devastated. You know, I know God's good, but it was like, man, why can't you just heal him? You know? Um, and so first season I did, I, I went on meds and nobody knew, nobody knew except you ladies today. <laughs> awesome. Um, but I didn't tell her this specific thing. And so when she sends me this song, these are the words. It's Amanda Cook. She's a um, great worship leader, one of my favorites. And she starts singing, I'm giving you your breath back. <laughs> I'm giving you your breath back. It's like the Lord is singing to whoever's listening. And she's going on and on. And it's um, the words are going all the nights, the sleepless nights, all the nights you held your breath. All the nights waiting for resolution or the outcome. I'm giving you your breath back. And then she goes on to say, he crouches down and gets on the ground next to us in our panic attack. If that's not a prophetic, see, that, that's the beauty of, of prophecy in the gifts. Is because in your human mind, you wouldn't be able to come up with that. But God knew what I needed that day very specific, didn't tell anybody. Um, you can claim that song. You just type it up. It's called giving us our breath back. Um, we still live with this disease 
we do. Um, I told you I was up last night with him and um, just treating him. It, it's still very high maintenance. Um, thank God for insurance, seriously, um, and just the benefit of, of medicine, honestly, of just helping us get through this um, and, and the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how we do it, but I know today is easier than then. So much easier, but I still will be angry at times when I look at him and I go, is he ever going to get married? Is, you know, is a wife going to take him in that high maintenance state? And, um, gosh, if he eats, you know, cross-contaminated food, all those things, all those things. I'm still getting up sometimes three and four times at night going, okay, God, okay, help me breathe. Help me do that. So that is my story. And thank you for letting me share. I hope I won't need those bo- that box of Kleenex, although um, I went through, through this a few times, and I found myself a little choked up about some of the things that I've walked through. And, I, you know, you think you're completely healed on the other side of it, but maybe not always. So I, um, we're going to talk about stressful life today, and I, I feel like the word stress has really been just woven into the fabric of our lives. We say things all the time like, I'm so stressed out, I can't take this stress anymore, I really just can't take this anymore. I'm stressed about this, I'm stressed about, it's always stress, stress, stress. And I feel like it's something we, especially as women, we continually carry day in and day out. You know, it's like we we take care of the family. We take care of the home. We have jobs. We make sure there's food on the table. Then we make sure there's groceries in the the closet, you know, whatever. And there's always all of these expectations and demands, I feel like, that are continually on us as wives, mothers, women. You know, I know that there's probably single moms in here. I know that there's moms in here with children. I know that there's probably single women in here helping to provide for every area of your life yourself. And so uh, it's just that constant demand, I feel like, that we carry. Carrie has used this scripture a couple times, John 10. I feel like I could do this in a three-part series. Um, You know, uh, John 10, 10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. This is the New Living Translation. I love the New Living Translation when I'm doing studying or teaching like this. And so, but I, you know what? We need to seize that rich and satisfying life. That's what the Lord has for us. It doesn't mean that we're going to, a rich and satisfying life doesn't mean that, man, we're just going to have a euphoric life and the big house on the hill. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but it means that there's grace and peace available to us, but we need to learn how to access that. And I, I, um, I, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I want to talk about today. I, I was thinking we, we could talk about three things. When we talk about stress, we could talk about the, the element of the enemy, the element of the flesh, and then the element of God. But we don't have time to get into all three of those today. So I'm just, I'm going to share something fairly quickly. I do talk really fast. I'm sorry. That's just my nature. I, I'd like to slow it down, but I think it was the caffeine that I drank this morning. I'm like, zzzz. I used to be like this with decaf. Now I'm back to the caffeine. And so, um, let me give you the definition for stress. Do you have that slide for me? I had Nicholas make up a slide. It says stress, it's a, a state of mental or emotional strain. Think about Carissa. Mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. Isn't that? I think that we could all say, yes, 
that, that I, I've dealt with that. Sometimes stress can be self-inflicted. You know, we have that idea, I need to look perfect. By the way, I think I'm the 1%. I don't really care what men think that I look like. I really don't care if you like my outfit today. I really dress for myself. I'll just be real honest. Not that I have to justify myself. I just like to look nice. So, you know what? We, we always think, I need to look perfect. I need to wear a size 4. I need to make more money. I need to have a nicer house, a nicer car. You know, I'm not real satisfied with my husband. I need to have my kids and everything under the sun so they'll develop and be like every other kid. And and the, and the stress goes on and on and on. So there is a self-infliction of stress at times. But then there's that stress, like what Carissa was talking about, stress that those, of those circumstances that come upon you that you have no control over. And you have to learn how to manage those situations. And that's something I want to talk about today is how can we manage that stress? Because the all likelihood of us ever living a stress-free life, I, I really doubt that it, we're going to we're ever going to live that. There's so many times I, I think I've been through so many seasons in my life where there's just been these incredible stressful times. And I don't want to focus on those as much as I want to focus on what God did within me during those times today. But, um, I had to learn how to manage those things. Uh, If we don't learn how to manage stress, it will manage us. And one of the things about stress, you, there's times that you'll feel like the pressure is so great that, um, do you feel like you're either want to crumble, you just want to hide and curl up in a ball and not talk to anybody, or you want to snap? And it's usually one, one, one degree or the other. It, it, it's, I wish there was just that something really nice on the, in the middle where I could talk nice to people in the midst of my stress, but no, not necessarily. So um, I think about the demands and the expectations upon us. And, and like I said, I feel like it's worn, it's woven into the fabric of our American culture. I've lived in Turkey. I've been on missions trips to India. I've been to Mexico, you know, Greece, all different kinds, all over the world pretty much. People across the globe don't live like we do. We have that, we have that high pressure, high demand. We've got to get the job done. We've got to perform. We've got to get to that next level. Uh, we've, we've got to do, got to do, got to do. And so we live completely different than a lot of other people. We've got to, we want to make sure that, you know, we've got, we make the 2 p.m. appointment. We have a whole 30 compliant meal on the table by 5 p.m. And we, we look great by the time we get to 6, 6.30 p.m. at the service on Wednesday night, right? So, and then people come in and they're like, oh. <laughs> um, I want to just give you a, um, again, I want to make sure that we learn how to manage stress so that it won't manage us. I want to give you just a few um, things, um, ways that stress can affect your physical body. And you you might say, wait, I've experienced that. Is that really what that is? Um, Headaches, minor memory loss, gastrointestinal problems, increased anxiety, decreased immunity, eyes twitching, reduced energy, fast heartbeat, Grinding your teeth, increased period cramps. We just need to get rid of that, right? Um, Acne breakouts, weird dreams, increased craving for sweets. I don't know if I want to get rid of that one. And itching. Itching, you know, there's that sensory nerve thing that can cause your body to itch if you're going through a lot of stress. Um, These are all warning signals that you could be really experiencing too much stress in your body. There's, you know, there's many different ways that we can handle stress, and, and none of them are wrong. I'm just saying none of them are wrong. We can turn to medications. We can turn to alcohol. We can turn to shopping. We can turn to eating. We can be like me and turn to chocolate and sweets. 
Um, and all of those, I think, could be really, really helpful. But I, I believe that the Lord would really want us to lean on him. I think ultimately that's what I, where I want to land today is how can we lean upon him when we're going through these stressful situations? Really, the management of stress has become a billion-dollar industry. We hear words like aromatherapy, massage, massage, vacation, relax, all of it. You hear it on TV all the time. Um, when I told a few people that I was going to be, I stopped telling people until it came out in the little flyer this weekend that I was going to lead this thing on, you know, do a share some teaching on a stress. I'm like, you don't have any stress. I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me and you probably don't know my whole life there. So again, I don't, I want to share my, um, how I've had breakthrough in the area of stressful seasons in life. And, and sometimes you just have to get above all of that stuff that's going on in, in, your, in your whole life and everything that's going on around you. So I'm going to share some stories, a progression of my life. And somebody reel me in if I get close to 1030 here, 1130. 1130. It's already past 10:30. Well, we're done already. So, okay. So, um, I I'd say my stressful life started when I was eight years old. I wasn't going to add this in here. And you know what? I left out any ministry stuff that was way too painful to handle. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You, you will get emails and text messages and everything. You didn't smile at me today. You didn't say hi to me today. You know, it's continual and you know what? I don't even care anymore. So I love you and I'm going to treat you like I love you, but don't expect me to say hi to you every time if I'm fixing somebody else's problem. So anyway, God's fixing it, not me. So I, and I'm not trying to be rude, but anyway, my stressful life, I'd have to say, I felt like we had a pretty normal family. Everything was going along really, really well. Um, I had a youngest sister that was born and, uh, she had some heart problems and it really kind of started affecting our family. I was eight and, uh, four months later she died. And, you know, for an eight year old, that was really, really difficult. The, there, there's lies of the enemy that come and make you feel like some of that was maybe your fault. A year and a half later, I nearly died of a bleeding ulcer because the stress of it was way over the top for me. Highly, highly medicated 10-year-old child for about four or five years just to get my stress level down, helped to, help to maintain who I was. You know, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. He tried very, very young to come to my family. Um, fast forward, um, when I was 20 years old, met this guy. He was in the Air Force. I rushed off, married him, and I was headed for Izmir, Turkey. I was a farm girl from Iowa, had never been away from home, never been on an airplane. I travel about 27 hours, get to this foreign land. It's dark. Everybody smells. Everybody's yelling. Everybody's pushing and shoving. It's raining. And, they, and, and, and then I get off this plane in between two single file lines of guys pointing machine guns at me. That's stress. I'll just tell you, I had no way to contact my mom and dad. The only way I could contact them was writing them letters. This was obviously 33 years ago. I've been married for a while, almost 34. So uh, anyway, it was very, very stressful. Um, my husband and I we were newlyweds. We fought a lot. Um, I wasn't saved at that time. I like to throw things. I like to cuss. I, you know what I mean? That's just the way I lived. And the number one way I handled that was drinking and drinking a lot. Um, that, that was my medication for taking care of that season in my life. Um, moved back to the States. Everything was going well. My husband got out of the military. We um, bought our first house. Man, everything was just going so well. We lived in this. I got saved in that that. Time frame, everything was just going really, really well until um, I was a, a stay-at-home mom at that season. 
and this is the one I don't want to cry for. <laughs> anyway, um, you can relate to this. We were, we, you know, everything was just going along really well. Kids and I went to the zoo one day. Our niece was with us from Pennsylvania. Alicia hit her head. And she was fine when we left the zoo, but by the time we got home, she was limp. I'm like, what's wrong with my daughter? Is she just too hot? So we ended up taking her to the emergency room. The doctor was like, I think we better do a CAT scan. I'm thinking, why do a CAT scan, you know? And uh, they did a CAT scan. They said, she's got a bleed on the brain, and it's fatal. It could be fatal. I felt like everything within my body, all the life rushed out of me. And uh, I'd never faced any kind of situation. Like, this is a live and die thing for your child, and... They lifelighted her to another hospital. I rode with somebody else to another hospital and didn't know how to pray, didn't know how to do anything. I got numb. I was completely numb. There was not one word. People wanted to ask me all kinds of questions and talk to me. You can relate. I had nothing that I could say to them. I finally asked my pastor, I said, can you just have people stop asking me questions? I can't even talk anymore. And then it went from this whole bad, well, you know what? The the bleed's not quite so bad. I think it's going to stop on its own. Next day, next day they moved her to another hospital. You never, let me just give you this. If you ever have any brain trauma in your family, don't let them move them for 72 hours. We didn't know. And so we're in this ambulance bopping up and down all the way across Omaha, starts having massive seizures. So we walk into another hospital that they're saying, wow, this is really, really bad. With the bleed on the brain, now these massive seizures, if she lives, she probably won't walk and talk again. And so Clyde and I are on our knees just saying, God, she's yours. You know what? If she's not going to live her life for you, she's yours. I don't want to, you know, we don't want to get in the way of what you want to do. And so, and you, you don't want to hear me sing, but I started singing anyway. And I, you know, we're in this hospital room and all these doctors and nurses and techs and everybody were in there. I started singing, Jesus loves me over her. And I started, you know, just, just singing over her. Everybody in the room started to sing. And it was like that she was healed. It was done. She was healed. I was not. It took me years, years and years. This was 1996, June 15th and 6th, July 15th and 16th of 1996. I don't know that I'm fully over it, but it was, that's really, 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 I would say time was the only thing that could help me really heal from that devastation. And I call it a devastation. The emotional shock was just more than I could take. Um, and then uh, my husband's lost his job four times. My husband's very, very successful at what he does, but that security inside of me, you know, a female, we want, that is our usually most females' number one thing. Carrie talked about it earlier, is security. And that was gone four different times. Two of the times could have been very life-altering situations where there was a lot of complications behind it. And, and uh, during that season, I, fi- you know, I'd cry and I would pray and, and then, and then I finally went to the word of God. What a, what a concept, I, you know? <laughs> and so, but it was during that season, I learned to go to the throne instead of going to the phone and calling all my friends because I was so used to just, Hey, help me out. Help me out. I, I need prayer. I need prayer. But it was during that season. I finally, I finally learned. That's one thing I learned. Again, I'm trying to work through this progression of things. The first one was medication. The second one was time this one was I finally learned to go to go to Jesus instead of going to other people. Um, you know, uh, the next thing I want to share is uh, for the better part of the last 20 years, my husband and I have had somebody live with us. We've always just felt like we've always supposed to open your home, have people live with us. But 
And, and having people live with you can be stressful. I don't know if anybody has anybody live with them, but it can be stressful. I think so. I have some head nods. But when you have somebody that's emotionally unstable that moves into your home, let me tell you, over the top. Um, and so for eight years, we had a family member live with us that was very emotionally hurting, emotionally hurt, unstable. And my, my peaceful home turned into a home of many, many days turmoil. I was working part-time at a dental office during that season and wishing I was working full-time plus because my home was not a place of refuge anymore. It was a place of constant chaos and turmoil. And um, during that season, uh, Matthew 6, 6 talks about going into the secret place. And in the secret place, you go in, you shut the door, and God will meet you there and reward you openly. And this is way before war room. I'm going to tell you, I went into my six foot by six foot closet, cleared stuff out of the way. And I would sit in there and I would cry and I would pray and I would worship. And I really understood the whole concept of the secret place. And, and, and God would refresh me and he met me there. I, the first time, I really, this is where I fell in love with God at. I really did because he became my hiding place. He became that place of peace and refuge and safety for me where I, what I didn't have when I was outside of that place, but I got filled up. I got filled up on him. I got filled up on his peace and I was able to withstand the, the storms and the turmoil of my home and my life. Uh, so that was, uh, and then probably at the end of that season, I started a whole nother season that's I wish I could say that all of my tormenting things, all the stressful things in my life are completely gone, but this one's been going on 11 years and it's still not over. And uh, my daughter that had the cerebral hemorrhage, she was without a doubt the most perfect child. Never lied, never nothing. You know, my son's back here on sound. I had to wash his mouth out with soap all the time, spank the kid. Yes, not her. She was perfect in every way. Until she turned 19 and decided, I don't want the good girl label anymore. And then we went through seasons of her running away, not knowing where she was at. We would go three or four months, three or four months at a time, not hearing from her. Uh, this was this close-knit family that was right there. DOIs, arrests, men. I mean, it was one thing after another after another. Keep in mind, I, I, I'm, I oversee prayer ministry. I oversee deliverance ministry. And yet this is all going on in my own home. And so... One day, early on, we had this hardwood floor in our kitchen at the time. We've moved since then. This was about two years into this. I found myself completely collapsed on the kitchen floor in a pile of tears. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. It was so hard. It was almost easier to watch her physically die than to watch her spiritually die. I don't know if anybody here has got prodigal children, but I'm going to tell you, that is one stinking painful thing. I'm I, there's no way else around it. It's probably the most painful thing I've ever endured in my entire life. And um, so I'm just like, God, I can't take anymore. And he starts, I start hearing this song in my head, I'll praise you in the storm. And I'm starting to get this idea, okay, that means like I should sing when I'm not feeling happy here. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm processing that, processing that. And then we got to this one Sunday morning and this one particular Sunday morning, again, I oversee altar ministry, prayer ministry, all that at the time. And, uh, I'm sitting in the back row of the balcony. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're sitting in the back row of the balcony, I know you're down. I know you're running for something. I went up there the other day and I called a few people out and I said, what's going on in your life? You're sitting in the back row of the balcony. <laughs> Serious. 
you're hiding from something. And I was hiding that day. I had my head down. I couldn't even, I could not even lift my head. I'll tell you a secret. I'd listen to my daughter's voicemails because I still had access to her phone. Her voicemail, I still knew what her, her and, and that made me sick. I should have never done it. Don't do it. Just don't even do it. Um, so I, I listened to that and I, I don't think I could have been more down. I don't think I could have been more devastated to really know what kind of things she was involved in. And so, um, I, I couldn't even get up and I heard the Lord say, get up and worship me, stand and worship me. And I thought, there is no way I can stand. There's absolutely no way I can stand before I knew it. I was standing up and before I knew it, worship was coming out of my mouth I was worshiping in the presence of my enemies. It talks about in Psalm 23, worshiping in the presence of your enemies. That day and from that day forward, I've had the greatest breakthrough in the areas of stress in my life. Those things didn't manage me anymore. The thoughts didn't consume me anymore. I could worship my way through those situations and those times. I just want to give you one piece of it. I'm going to give you um, eight or nine things. I can't remember. I keep adding to the list but uh, of things to do to help you with stress. But I'll tell you, this is one of them. It really is not part of that list. But um, if you're going through a stressful season, find someone else that's gone through it ahead of you. Friends are great. Carissa had great opportunities with her friends. But I'm just going to be honest. I had friends that I loved and that were dear, but they were ugly. Oh, you just kick your daughter to the curb. Turn her over to Satan. Let Satan deal with her. You know what? Sometimes the word of God slapped in your face with no grace, no mercy really hurts. And so I don't be that kind of friend. If you have, if you are going through a situation or a season of that's really, really stressful, your friends, if they've not walked through it, don't have expectation that they're going to be able to be the ones there for you. And if you need somebody to help find you that person, I think either one of us could probably help you find that person. Um, I look, even at that, I, I, Psalm 13, I, it's, when I think of David, I think of him going through so many of the... Um, so many continually running from Saul, you know, um, Saul was always after his life, always trying to kill him. And so I'm going to, do you have that slide there, Zach? Psalm 13. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Boy, there's been many times. I think I've thought the same thing forever. Question mark. You wonder sometimes how long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with my, with the anguish in my soul, with the sorrow that's in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Sometimes it really feels that way when you're going through a stressful season of your life. It feels like the enemy is just saying, nah, 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 at you all the time. Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. Don't let him, don't let him rejoice at my downfall. And this is the best part, but I trust in your unfailing love. This is David. I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. 
Like David, I had to learn, I learned to sing to the Lord in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my trial. I'm going to tell you, it's probably one of the highest levels of breakthrough that you will receive, but I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It is super, super hard because when you're hurting and you're in pain, it's the last thing you want to do is sing praises to the Lord. So I want to give you, um, I want to give you eight spiritual things, spiritual and natural things to help manage your stress again, so your stress won't manage you. And I, I want to start um, first by um, trusting the Lord. And that can be so cliche, can be so easy for me to say, but yet so hard to do. Who do you trust? How do you, how do you develop, how do you, how do you find trust in someone? Amen. You build time, you build relationship with them. And, and that's, that's where it is with the Lord. You begin to build, have that time and that relationship with him. I am going to share Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Carissa referred to that earlier. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I, all these are probably New Living Translation. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. The burden I give you is light. The first thing I noticed in there is Jesus is telling his disciples, come to me. Don't try to fix this on your own. Sometimes we want to fix everything on our own. We're going to try everything all over the the market and all over. Well, this person tried this, and this person tried this. But God says, come to me. Come to me. That that's in prayer, that's in worship. You know, sometimes prayer is just sitting back and listening. Sometimes that's keeping your mouth shut and saying, asking the question and waiting for the answer. He says, let me teach you. He wants to be the teacher. Um, like, just like that day when I was sitting in the back row of the balcony, he was my teacher. He told me what he wanted. He stood me up and he began to sing through me. And he taught me what it was to have breakthrough and how to have that breakthrough. Um, your yoke, my yoke is easy. And so, and Carissa mentioned earlier, you know, what a, what a yoke is. And it it was kind of this metal, uh, not metal wood beam with leather straps around it. And it would hook two oxen together. Carissa, will you stand here next to me? Um, and so this is my yoke here. This, cause I didn't bring one with me. You know, it's like, it's like Jesus putting his arm around you. Like, and you're just, and you, and, but look at the size difference here. There's one ox that's a whole lot bigger than the other. <laughs> and, but who's going to carry the bulk of the weight? If I'm Jesus and she's Carissa, who's going to carry? I'm going to, this ox here is going to carry the bulk of the weight. We need to lean into him. We need to yoke or tie ourselves to him. I'm going to tell you, I could, I could give you a hundred different things, but if, thank you, but if we don't start there. It, 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 everything else is difficult. And of course, we're at a church and I'm sharing all of this. But if you do that strength finders test, my number one thing is believe. I'm not going to do something unless I absolutely believe it. And I'm not going to tell you something unless I absolutely believe that it's true. Yoke yourself to the Lord. Let him help you carry the burden. Um, let me get my pages turned here. The next one I want to um, share with you is, I'm going to go back to John 10.10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
we need to understand who we are as believers. I just added this one in this morning, so I don't have a ton of notes on it or any scriptures to go with it. But, um, but I can give you a lot if you want. We need to understand who we are as believers. Are we going to continually let the enemy come and steal, kill, and destroy from us? No. It's time. I feel like it's time where we say, you know what? Not in my house and not on my watch. Um, Luke ten nineteen says, um, I usually can quote this, this like right off the top of my head. Jesus said to his disciples, you can tread upon serpents and scorpions, which means the enemy and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's Luke ten nineteen. You know what? That, that tells me that I've got an authority over the enemy. I can command that devil. He needs to get underneath my feet. I, there's a lot I've learned about spiritual authority and spiritual warfare. And, and I don't have time to teach it on today, but boy, that would be a great next one onto this, how to manage your stress. Cause you know what the enemy, just like I was reading in Psalm 13, the enemy, he wants to gloat. He wants to, he wants to continually get in your face. Oh, this is never going to go away. You're never going to live a life of peace again. You're, you know, you're never, you're never, you're never. And that's when you say devil shut up, you know, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Um, the third one, the Bible says to take every thought captive. It's, uh, I don't have the scripture for that one either. I don't think second Corinthians 10, five, the Bible says to take every thought captive onto the obedience of Christ. You know what that scripture says to me? If it tells me, if the Bible tells me to take every thought captive, it means I have the ability to take every thought captive. And so when I was going through a lot of this drama with my daughter and the situation's not completely over with yet, things are a whole lot better today than they were that 11 years ago. But what one, another thing that I had to do was learn to take my thoughts captive. I would have thoughts like, what if she never talks to me again? What if she dies before getting, becoming, giving her life back to the Lord? What, you know, I had what if thoughts all the time and they consumed me. What if, what if, what if, and I had, you know what I had to do? This is Holy Spirit taught me, you know, Jesus says, let me teach you in Matthew 11 there. Holy Spirit taught me this. I, I would, I would have to, I would have to recognize that I was entertaining those thoughts and I'd have to see that thought. This sounds crazy, like a piece of paper and I'd grab it and I'd wad that thing up and I'd throw it in the garbage can. But you know what? It wasn't just enough to arrest that thought. I had to replace it was with the Bible says, as for me and my house will serve the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your household. When you train a child up in the way they shall go, when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. I had to replace it with truth. So don't just take the thought captive, get re- recognize that you're thinking on it, get rid of it, replace it with truth. The truth of God's word. The fourth thing, we're going to get to some practical things now. Get things off of your plate that aren't bearing good fruit. It's okay to say no. It's kind of what Carrie was talking about upstairs a little, a few minutes ago. You know, I hear Bobby Clark say things like, you know, we, we want to live at the Christian buffet. We want a little of this and we want a little of that, but we don't want that. That's not how I go to the buffet. I go and take everything on there and then I feel like I've got to eat everything. And then I get into this food coma and all I want to do is sleep. Isn't that how we live our lives? And then we get into this stress. I I'm on 16 ministry teams and four boards and three committees and, you know, and I don't have time to clean my house or do the laundry and my, I'm all stressed out about it. You know what? Get rid of the things on your plate that are not bearing good fruit. Examine those things. If you're only doing things because my friend wants me to, or I feel like I'm obligated to, that's not bearing good fruit. You need to take an honest assessment. Are we winding down on time? No, oh, 
Okay, you need to take an honest assessment of the things that you're doing. And, and if, if there's not high value in those things, get rid of them. It's okay to say no. It really is okay to say no. My husband said that to Nicole Millen a number of years ago. She's such a great volunteer. She's a great team member. Everybody wanted her on our te- their team. And Nicole was stressed out because she had all of these teams. My husband was like, you just need to learn to say no. Just learn to say, tell, tell, tell them no. Just tell them no. But I didn't want her to tell me no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just being real. We're being real, right? Okay. Uh, you know, it's time to really get those things on your plate that really, really matter. Leave the things there that really, really matter. Time with your family really, really matters. And time with the Lord really, really matter. Um, and you know what? There's a lot of other things that I do. I don't want to be the pot calling the kettle black there. There's a lot of things I do. But I really am starting to look at things and say, you know what? I was the person when I was staying home or working part-time, I would clean my house six or seven times a week because I liked it and I liked to have a clean house and I found value in all of that. And you know what? Mm-mm, not now. I have my grandbaby come over and I spend time with her and dishes are in the sink and the laundry's still sitting in the washer and I'm okay with it. It's, it's okay. It's okay to let those things go. Um, and the next one, uh, just helping to manage your stress. Prepare, prepare yourself ahead of time. So you don't end up uh, with stress at the end. One of the things that I do is if I know I get, to, I get here at 6 a.m., five, five, four days a week and 7 a.m. on the fifth day of every week. So that's a really early morning. I, can, I go through Saturday afternoon. I'll find five outfits of clothes. I hang this little space in my closet. I put the jewelry on. I put the pants on. I put the socks on. Anything I'm going to need because then I'm not spending 25 minutes in the closet. Oh, what should I wear? I don't feel like that. You know what? I don't change my mind. I just put it on. I wear it. It's okay. Kind of thing. I put everything on my calendar. I try to schedule appointments ahead of time, like my dental appointments, my uh, physicals, you know, I put all of that on there, and I live by my calendar. Then, then, you're, then things don't control you. Like, oh, I have to get my kid into, but I don't have time. And you know what? I've already scheduled it six months ago. That'll really, really help you. I'm speaking from experience. I want you guys to learn in the classroom and not learn out on the field. If I, if that can help you, learn from my mistakes because that living by a calendar. Even though I thought, oh no, I don't want to be controlled by a calendar. You know what? I can control what goes on my calendar. So, uh, so prepare ahead of time. Budgeting is another thing. You know what? If you know that you're going to have to spend $1,200 on car insurance every July, don't wait till June and start panicking and selling everything you own so you can pay for your car insurance. Put $200 a month away every month so you're not stressed out about it. Don't let money stress you out. Um, number six, take time for yourself. You don't, you don't need to take the phone to the bathroom with you. You don't need to respond to every text message, phone call, Instagram, Twitter when it comes in. You know what? Just set it down. I've had to learn, unless I'm going to listen to worship music on my phone, I don't take that to the secret place with me. You know what? If I'm going to spend time with my husband, I don't take that phone with me. You know what? You have to shut it off. You, sometimes we, it, it, and if your friends are offended because you're not responding to them or doing what you, they want you to do right away or not giving them a like on Facebook, you know what? They may not be your friends. Maybe you could help them set, set them free too by saying, you know what? Why don't you put your phone down for a little bit? It's okay to take a season of rest. Jesus did it. He got a way to rest and pray and spend time with the father. 
We need, you need to find some kind of, again, this is taking time for yourself. You need to find some kind of outlet. And Carissa even talked about it. Laughter is good for the soul like a medicine. There's time. You might just need to find somebody that makes you laugh. You just need to, might, might need to find something that's going to make you feel like a kid again. I went and bought myself a bike. A bike. I got rid of them because I thought, I don't ride that anymore. But, but I got one again, and I thought, this is so much fun. I felt like a kid. Whatever. I'm not saying, I'm not saying go out and spend money. I'm just giving you thoughts and ideas. You may want to go just sit at a Starbucks or a coffee shop and have a coffee with a friend, or maybe you just need by yourself time. It's doing those kinds of things just to shut off for a few minutes. We need to um, have some white space in our lives. That white space is getting rid of all the thoughts and everything in your life where you're just sitting, even if it's for five minutes and not doing anything, just really allowing yourself to decompress. Um, uh, number seven, don't, don't stone me now. <laughs> Exercise and eat right. These will help relieve stress. Um, I, you know, for years, I didn't think that I needed to exercise. I, I, you know what? I was too busy for it. I was working part time. I didn't have time for that kind of thing until one day I walked up the steps and pastor Mark was at the top trying to talk to me and I could talk to him. And it was only just the one flight of steps. And I thought, oh, this is not good. But you know what? What happens is when you exercise, it releases endorphins. And endorphins are a chemical that help you feel good. And it, you feel good. You sleep better. You feel better. And so even if it's taking a walk around the block or getting on a, whatever you want to do, I'm not saying, hey, you got to go join a gym. But you know what? Take a mile walk. It, it's going to take you seven to ten minutes do 50 crunches before you go to bed. Start that process. You're going to feel so much better. The second thing was eating right. Eat a, eat a diet of lots of uh, B vitamins, the green leafy vegetables. Those are really, really good things that help you relieve stress. Um, sugary foods help you increase, will help you increase the stress in your life because when that sugar wears off or the carbs wear off, you're, uh, uh, you know what I mean? You feel all, you're either jittery or you're just so lethargic and tired. When I was not exercising, I would, and I, I take, I, I take a really long day. I'm, I'm just, I can be the energizer bunny and it's either the exercise or the prayer or the caffeine or maybe all three, but I can run hard all day long and I feel like a lot, but the the more I exercise, the more, the more energy that I do have. So it's really worth taking the time to do it. And then the last one is um, having a place of refuge. And I had mentioned before, you know, mine was that closet for a season. Maybe that place of refuge is your car at lunchtime at work. And you're, you, maybe you need to go drive around the block or something just to get away uh, and to clear your head. Like I said, that white space is so, so important for you. Remember the old commercial, maybe you need to go take a bath, Calgon, take me away kind of thing. Lock the door, leave your phone outside, tell your husband to answer the phone for you. Uh, you know, and you know, those of you who have young children are thinking, I can't do any of that because I have kids. Find a friend and switch off and help each other out. Amen. Okay. You know what? We're just kind of wind down here. You know, the, the inevitability that we're going to live a life without stress is just, it's just not there. That mental and emotional strain or tension from demanding circumstances, like I said, it's inevitable. But what you do with that stressful life can either launch you into a place 
of success or make you crumble. And you know what? It's time to seize God's. He says, I've, I want, I've given you a rich and satisfying life. And I would say today's the day to seize that rich and satisfying life. There's going to be situations that are completely out of our control. I think a lot of my situations were completely out of my control. Carissa's situation with, with Caleb is, is completely out of her control. But what you do is you learn to worship in the presence of your enemies. You, you need to learn to Feel those things in your life. Feel, feel all of those, those stressful places in your life with the good things of the Lord. He's just waiting. Remember the yoke. If you don't remember anything, remember how much bigger than I was than Carissa. That's how much bigger he is than us. He just wants to carry the load for you. He wants you to lean into him. He wants you to carry the load for him. So I just, the last thing on my notes says, Lord, help us. That's where we all need to get. I think there's going to be some things you're going to need to say no to. There's going to be some things you need to say, you know what? I'm going to make a change. Uh, you know, it's all of those things. I'm going to try something different if it's that what I'm doing now is not working. So I just want to pray for you. And then we're going to take some questions. So, Oh, God. God, I thank you for each woman here this morning. God, I thank you, God, that you are the answer. God, I thank you that you don't, you're not just the answer, but you give the answer as well. God, I thank you that you don't, you don't, and that you, and that you are the answer, oh God. So Father, I ask for your perfect peace to really just sweep over every woman here this morning. God, would you give them a wisdom and revelation of how to, how to step into that place to release stress and, uh, and invite your presence even in a greater, in a deeper way. God, I thank you that you are the good, good father. I thank you that you're powerful. I thank you that you're mighty. And God, I thank you that you're able to help us walk through every season of life. Lord, we love you so much. We bless you so much. We praise you, oh God, because you're worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go ahead and take some questions now. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Carissa, for uh, just being so transparent and sharing your stories. It's just so helpful. We've got some questions here. And I just want to mention, lunch is in 15 minutes. Not now. So <laughs> we, have <plenty> <laughs> we have plenty of time to answer some questions. If you still have some, just write them on a piece of card, on the index card, and Kristen's going to come get them. But we will get you out in time for lunch. So if you could just be patient. We'd love to get to some of your questions. So this one... Um, it's kind of along God's plan, and then one says it specifically for Carissa. If God is in control of your life, why does he let miscarriage happen? How do you cope with knowing that was his plan? And then another one that's kind of along those same lines says, For Carissa, how do you see God for who he really is when you know he has not healed your son yet? I'll, I'll take the first one. I'll go back to John 10, 10 in, in regards to that miscarriage. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It, I, my heart goes out to whoever's had the miscarriage and the pain that you're in or any loss of children. Or we live in a fallen world where the enemy has been given. He's had some dominion. And so, and he's taken it in the earth. And that's when death and sickness and disease, if you go back to the garden in Genesis um, chapter two and chapter three, where um, 
where Adam and Eve fell. That's, that's where the enemy came in and started to have rule and reign. Jesus came that we may have life and may have it more abundantly. However, like I mentioned earlier, we need to begin to take authority over some of these things. We need to take rule and dominion. That's what God has put us on this earth to do, to be in partnership with him. That's, he, that's why he created Adam and Eve. I'm giving you a long theological explanation, but that, that's what he gave us to do. I, I pray perfect peace over whoever's lost that child. I, painful, painful, but we do live. Why, why does cancer happen? Why does, I had that in my notes and I didn't say it, and maybe I should have. Why, why do these things happen? Do I, do I believe that, that God made or even allowed Caleb Carter to have the diabetes? Absolutely not. And that's probably a theological discussion we can have because you'll, you'll say, but Job, and I can tell you, but Job too. Um, but I, I don't believe that, that the good and loving and perfect father um, causes, makes, or allows those kinds of things to happen. I believe it's the, the enemy that comes to still kill and destroy. Um, I think for me, I go to the word, right? Um, that's where you go is to the word to declare who he is. Um, and, and also keep in mind, miracles happen instantaneously. Healing takes a while. And healing can take a process of months or years. Um, like even for me, when I mentioned the meds, I was on it for like two or three weeks. And literally, emotionally, I got my breakthrough. And I was like, I don't need these anymore. And that, and that may not be the case. But you go to the word. You go backwards. All right, when, was, when did I know God to be healer? And there's stories after stories in our own life with our daughter. And I have to remind myself he healed her from a heart thing. He healed her from kidney disease. He healed her from... Uh, P. Fapa, long story with that. I had to remind myself, he's my healer. He's healer. He's healer. And so you remind yourself, you go to the word, and you sing songs that declare the very opposite of your situation. May not change the situation. Okay, my son is still diabetic, but it changes my perception of God. It changes my faith. And I also go to other people who maybe you don't have a history of healing in your family. Surround, quit surrounding yourself with people who are in the same predicament as you are. You've got to find people who can go, no, honey, my son was healed from that. My daughter was healed from that. My marriage was healed from that. So hopefully that, that, uh, that's what helps me get through. Thank you. So I have a couple of, Carrie makes it sound so easy. <laughs> got a couple of those. Uh, one of them says, um, I tell myself not to worry about the things that stress us out, and then uh, I'm fine, and then it starts all over again. Uh, and another one says, um, trying to do the same thing, but we don't have a lot of friends around, a lot of family around. Uh, there's no one close to us. How do I do it? I, the, the first part about, you know, how do you do it when you, you don't have any family around, you don't have very many friends, your church group needs to become your family. Um, and that's why we have small groups, you know, that it's the community. We, um, my mom and dad live in Minnesota. My mother-in-law lives in Ohio. We, we didn't ha we, we had for a short season, we had family in town, but we've never had family in town. And, and our church family has become our family. You know, I mentioned Nicole earlier. We've been in small groups together, known them for years and years and years. They've become part of our family. They, that's, 
That's that the body of Christ is bigger than just the family you were born with. I know Danita, she, her husband's military. You move a lot, and your church family. It, it can be the military family or it can be the church family. But I'm, you know, I, I she's she's connecting in to the church family. So, um, what was the other question? Oh, Carrie makes it sound so easy. Yes, Carrie makes it sound so easy. I can do it for a little while, and then it's okay. But then it's not. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going to go back to, it depends on what, I, that's a little broad, so I'm, but depends on what you're talking about. For my, for me, it was taking thoughts captive, allowing, and I will say a lot of our stress comes from our thought life. I mean, there's actual circumstances that go on, but the stress comes from the thoughts that are in our mind. I'm really, I, and I can't back this up scripturally, but I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think the enemy shoots shot thoughts at our mind because I don't think he knows what we're thinking, but I think he's just hurling these thoughts at us and hoping some of them will stick, you know, because they're all pertinent to the things that are going on in our life. And, uh, but we have to learn to take those thoughts captive because you know what? Those thoughts that we, we take the thought and then we start believing the thought and then we entertain the thought and then that thought becomes unbelief or sin somehow. And then it, if it goes any further, then it becomes a stronghold in your life. So you really need to learn to take the, your thoughts captive. And it, it is not easy. You first thing you have to do is recognize that you're doing it because you're so used to doing it. You're so used to these thoughts bombarding your mind that you, you don't even have those, um, you, it's, it's such a, a norm to you that you, you have to, first thing you have to do is recognize that you're doing it. I hope that helped whoever that. I. And I would just like to add for me, I found out as far as stress goes, I was the one who was stressing myself out. Yeah. And through my walk with the Lord, what I found out was um, that stuff happens. And most of it wasn't bad. The stuff that I was saying was bad, was um, inconvenient or I didn't like it, but it wasn't necessarily bad. And there are some things that happen that are, that's a crisis situation, but I found out that most of it wasn't. And so I found God to be stable through all of that. So when crises come up, most of the time I say, okay, I mean, I know who he is. I know that he's gotten me through it. And I just know if I keep on walking that I'll get through it. And so it was my filter that was broken. It wasn't God (laughs) for me. Uh, a couple of questions about husbands. How do you handle a husband that is constantly trying to manipulate you? And I don't know if kind of this is on the same lines. I grouped it together, husbands. How would you recommend dealing with the stress of a partner who is going through a difficult season and then that's stressing you out? <laughs> okay. Read the, you want to read the first one again for me? Yes. I know it's about how to handle a, a spouse that's difficult. How do you handle a broken husband that is constantly trying to manipulate you? A broken husband. That's That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That Stormy or Martin's book, uh, the power of a praying wife. You know, I think sometimes we, we have to get to that place of knowing that we can't fix it at the same time. And then part of that too, is we can't partner with some of, if, if there's a lot of, you, you can't fix his problem, but you can pray for him. You can encourage him, um, encourage him to get help that he needs, encourage him to maybe get to a, get to a men's small group, or maybe he needs some counseling 
whatever that brokenness is coming from, there's, the, he needs healing. And the, that healing can come physically, emotionally, or spiritually, depending on what the situation is. Uh, you, maybe you can't make him do anything. Maybe he doesn't want to do anything. Maybe he just wants to wallow in his, his, his slop, if you will. And if, if that's the case, pray, always pray for your husband. Always pray the word. Always pray truth. And this, the second thing I would say is, I, and I already said it, but don't feel like you have to be the one who fixes it. You're not God. You're not God. And sometimes we take things on ourselves that um, that uh, we're not we're not wired to carry. And just like the yoke, yoke yourself to the Lord, and maybe even share encouraging words with Him. Maybe maybe He doesn't want to be preached to. I don't know. But share encouraging words with him. You know, when my husband had lost his job those several times, I could have, I could have really been really bad because I was really hurt by some of the things that had happened in a couple of the situations. But I chose to love him in the midst of that. I chose to encourage him in the midst of that. I had questions that I wanted answered, but I, and, and he did answer those questions, but I chose to love him and to be faithful to him. And if you choose to forgive your spouse for something that they've done, don't bring it up every time you get in a fight with them. Okay? Did I answer the question? Yeah, okay. And then how would you recommend dealing with the stress of a partner who is going through a difficult season and their stress is causing you stress? Um, I mean, Jason's had some different... We all do different health issues, different. He talks about like with his thyroid and getting things balanced, and and that caused stress on our marriage. Um, there, read it to me again. The how would you recommend dealing with the stress of a partner okay. who's going through a okay. difficult season, and their stress is causing you stress? The way I handled it, um, I had to back off. And again, we've mentioned it several times. You you can't fix them health issues, emotional issues. It's the grace of God. I, I wish there was a formula, you know, that I could share with you. And there's probably great books and, and there's people who could explain it a whole lot better than me um, with counseling and things like that. But for me, I had to literally just go to my knees and say, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to be the wife. I'm not strong enough to carry what he's going through. It, it's not my responsibility. Now, I didn't tell him that, but I'm just saying, like, you've got to be honest with the Lord. Like, there's only so much that you can do for anybody in a stressful situation. Even with my son, I have to give him to God and go, I, I can't fix him. It's not my job to carry this. So I, you know. I would even um, encourage you not to invite yourself into that situation where you're all consumed by everything, but you be the rock, you be the one that's carrying the peace and you live by example. And you know, if you're, if your spouse is going through a really hard season, don't, don't be haughty in any way, but really seek the Lord, live by a holy example, love well during that season too. Okay, we've got time for one more question. This one is for Carissa. Carissa. Oh, just a second. Just had it here. I struggle with anger, too. It is my first reaction to any emotion. Or Yeah, it's my, reverse, my first reaction to any emotion. How do I manage this? What helps you? 
First of all, I think um, you got to be aware that every weakness is also a strength, okay? So the flip side of that is I'm passionate. I am, you know, warrior like, wow, and that's how I lead worship. And so the flip side of that, it's, it's a strength. You know, I'm like, come on, let's go after the enemy. Let's go after that territory. Come on. The, the bad side of that is, is I get angry. But I think understanding we're all wired a certain way. We all have dispositions. We're predispositioned a certain way, environment, all that stuff. Ethnicity, I can't say that enough. Um, so understanding that it does have a good side of it. Now, that being said with anger, I am still in process with that, to be very, very honest. Um, because I'm, I'm fiery and I'm, I'm wired that way. I just have to get in the word. I have to think before I say stuff. I have to continually go. I don't need to respond to that. I really, really don't. But once again, it's the grace of God. I'm not trying to minimize that. There's probably, you know, 101 self-help ways to deal with anger. Um, but it really is just going, I need to, I need to submit to the Holy Spirit. And I need to not say anything at that point. And that is very difficult for a loud mouth people to do. And the Holy Spirit will put you in a ton of positions to where you learn it. And good friends that tell you, don't be so dramatic about it, you know. Um, but I'm still, I'm still in process with that. You know, I could talk more afterwards and we could help each other. <laughs> Thank you all for your patience. Thank you all for your questions. And I'd really like to thank Pastor Chris and Carissa just for your awesomeness and your transparency. Thank you so much.